Welcome friends. We are so excited to get to worship together once again this week. Bienvenidos a todos nuestra familia. Welcome to all of our family. We want to especially shout out to our guys at the Kiwani Life Skills Reentry Center and say that we see you, we miss you, and we're so glad that we continue uh, to stay connected in this way. You know, it's hard to believe that as we look around um, at our quad cities and really wherever we live, that we're in a changing of seasons. Um, the leaves have mostly fallen where we are here. And we are just looking ahead at Christmas being a reality. I know that it is hard to believe that Christmas is just on the horizon, but it is. And so we as a church family um, are looking forward to getting uh, ready to celebrate Advent together. This is something that we've done every year. And this year, because we'll be gathering in a variety of ways, in person, um, also uh, on our televisions and our homes, uh, virtually online, we wanna provide an Advent kit for every person who's gonna engage with Heritage throughout the Advent season. And so we have these great Advent kits that are gonna be available for you to pick up in a variety of locations here in the next few weeks. You'll be able to pick them up at our Bridgepoint location throughout the week at Rock Island on our weekend services. And we're also gonna have them available at our Bettendorf campus. For more information about where to pick these up, you can go to our website. And we'll, we also have the information here on our screen. These kits are gonna contain weekly activities, reflections, the opportunity uh, to light your Advent candle along with us as we do that in our spaces. And we just believe that this is gonna be a great way for us to stay connected with each other as we celebrate the light of the world. Now, I know for some of you, I've just created a whole lot of anxiety reminding you that Christmas is just on the horizon. And so I wanna invite all of us just right now to just take a breath, to breathe in and breathe out and know that God's got you. Um, Holy Spirit is working in your life and will give you all that you need, whether that's more peace or patience or hope or joy or love in this Christmas season. You know, 2 Corinthians 3.3, reminds us that our lives are letters, not written with human ink, but written by the power of the Spirit of the living God. And so when we breathe in and breathe out, we remind ourselves of the presence of Holy Spirit with us that is as near and as present to us and as vital to us as our very breath. And so as we prepare our hearts to worship, I just invite you to receive that spirit of the living God into whatever space you're in and worship with us together. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to know you more and more. We're hanging on every word. 
afflictions come lay them down at the foot of the cross jesus is waiting god so loved the world in just a few moments pastor sean is going to be launching a new teaching conversation with us called the heart of worship and it's going to be a great series to help us kind of figure out what does it look like to be a passionate and devoted follower and worshiper of Jesus. And so to kind of get our, our minds and our hearts prepared to encounter the word this morning, I wanna invite us to engage with a prayer that was written by John Wesley. It's called a covenant prayer. And it's written in a way that is deeply moving and challenging and thought provoking. So allow me just to pray this over us and as I do so, I wanna just invite you over the next couple of weeks to just go back and just regularly use this as a resource in your own time alone with Jesus. Let's pray together. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed by you or laid aside for you exalted for you or brought low by you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. Amen and amen. We're about ready to lean back into a time of worship and the song that we're about ready to sing echoes this prayer. May Christ be magnified in me. With a thousand tongues to lift one cry Then from north to south and east to west We'd hear Christ be magnified Were the whole earth echoing His eminence his name would burst from sea and sky From rivers to the mountain tops We'd hear Christ be magnified And oh, Christ be magnified Let His praise If 
When every creature finds its inmost melody And every human heart's native cry Oh, then it one in raptured hymn of praise We'll sing Christ be magnified If it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice cause you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings, I hold fast to what is true. If the cross brings transformation, you can't hang me there with you. Cause death is just the doorway into resurrection life. And if I join you in your sufferings,
Hey friends, I want to welcome you from wherever you're tuning in today. Last weekend, we wrapped up our conversation talking about seasons, and it was a pretty impactful journey that really helped us understand how to navigate each and every season. But one of the key realities we hit on along the way was just understanding that we can worship God in any and every season. We can worship Him in any and every season. And what I want to do today is go one more layer deep in that reality and look specifically at how we go about doing that. Really to start a conversation that allows us to look at the what and the who and the how of worship, the heart of worship. Now, many of you know that I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad was a pastor and our family spent a significant amount of time in church functions and church events. Here's a picture of my family in the late 80s. And in case you can't tell, uh, I'm the guy in the gray. And 
The reality is that as a PK, a preacher's kid, I sat in spaces, spaces of worship a lot. I heard a lot about worship. Being around worship and things of worship was just part of my life. And at times I handled it responsibility and other times not so well. I still remember one occasion where the church was gathered in the fellowship hall, the basement of the church, the downstairs area below the sanctuary. And when the family down there, the church was gathered and fellowshipping and eating, uh, my brother and I grabbed two of our friends, Eric, Byron, and Doug, and we went upstairs to the sanctuary. And in the complete darkness, we began to gather and collect all of the pencils in the pew of the church. All the wooden pews had spaces where pencils could be held, and they're little tiny golf pencils like this. And we gathered them in hundreds. And in the blackness of the sanctuary, we had a pencil war. We literally just threw handfuls of pencils at each other in the blackness of that space and the sound of those pencils hitting the wooden pews and hitting the ground. Man, it was awesome and incredibly fun. Until our friend's dad started yelling across the sanctuary and the lights came on and we all hid. But we really couldn't hide from what we had done, dishonoring the time and gathering of the church and dishonoring the space because there were pencils everywhere like worms out on the road after a really hard rain. <laughs> It was not a good moment for us because we hadn't honored the time or honored the space with, the, with what we had done in a pencil war. See, even though I had been around spaces of worship, I'd been around the things of worship, it took me a number of years to really understand what it all meant, to really understand what worship really was and what it is. And in many ways, I'm still learning, which is a good thing. Because at its core, worship involves bringing all that we know of ourselves to all that we know of God. Bringing all that we know of who we are, bringing it before all that we know Him to be. It's really a space of responding as He reveals Himself to us. Now, I just want to back up for a moment because I'm sitting in one of the spaces that we have captured the musical worship for our church family that we've put online and on television several times, many times throughout this year. And it's a really, really great space. It's filled with instruments and, and implements uh, lead us into worship, different types of equipment that help the worship team lead us before the throne of God. But this space is not worship itself. It's a context and environment by which we can express worship. And it's good and it's dynamic and the things that we have captured have been wonderful and beautiful. But even what we capture and record in this space is not all there is to true worship. See, as a pencil throwing kid, I kind of viewed worship as the time that the church gathered in this specific space to sing. But worship is far more than that. Worship extends beyond that. It's, it's more than just simply singing. Even just think for a moment what singing is. We, we can all sing. Some of us sing in the shower. Some of us sing in the car. We can all sing, but singing isn't inherently worship. It's not. It's a context of expressing worship. Worship is not even just simply the song. Worship is not inherently just the service that we go to. Worship is not inherently the service that we offer when we volunteer. In, in, in a way, even worship just isn't the money that we give and offer back to God. Those things can be acts of worship. They are expressions of worship that God does honor, but they are not inherently worship altogether. And being in a worship space is not all there is to worship, especially, especially if you choose to engage in a pencil war. You know, 
it's important to really understand what worship is and what it isn't. And there's lots of definitions to defining the word worship. Many of them have legitimate application, especially from an academic perspective. But I came across one definition that just captured my heart, that just drew my attention in. And, and I think it was because it, I believe it bridges the connection between a heart for worship expressed in a life of worship. And it comes from the Webster's Dictionary from 1913. Here it is. You ready for this? To honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. To honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. I like that. And it even goes far as to add with bended knees. That's not just about a location or a single action, but about the heart. It's about our heart and bringing all that we know of ourselves to all that we know of God in extravagant love and extreme submission. It's important for us to understand what worship is and what it isn't. In fact, hang with me for a second. If we just consider the word worship for a moment, the English word worship actually comes from two words, worth and ship. They actually speak to priority. Now, when we think about the expressions of worship, you may think of things like, like music or uh, adoration. Uh, you may think of, of praise. You may think of uh, gratitude. You may even think of something like, like dancing or, or sacrifice or, or, or maybe just simply doing good, which Jesus actually speaks to and we'll get to later in our journey. Each of these things we can do and we can feel all of these things with actually not quite tipping in or stepping into worship. We can, we can dance without worshiping. We can engage music with, without worshiping. We can have gratitude or do good or sacrifice with out really worshiping. Uh, there are actually spaces by which we can worship. Now you think, okay, well, that's great. What do we do with this? Well, again, these become spaces by which we can express worship. But worship, worship is an expression of the heart reflected in life. It's an expression of the heart reflected in life, in, in these things and many more. This is not an all-inclusive list. It's an expression of the heart reflected in life and priority one, being one of the key hinge points in the whole conversation. Worship is an expression of the heart, reflected in life. Worship is an expression of the heart, reflected in life. There are two parts to that dynamic, two significant realities, both heart and life. And we're going to come back to the idea of heart many times in this Heart of Worship series, but there is that other component of life. There's the dynamic of an internal and an external. There's a space to think and a space to say. There's, there's a space to believe and a space to do. It can be good or bad dynamics. It can be healthy or unhealthy, but worship is something that we're wired for. We live as spiritual beings in physical bodies. We're made for worship. It is an expression of the heart reflected in life. The question, though, then becomes, well, then, who, what, and when are we worshiping? Now, in reality, you and I can worship anything at any time. 
We can't. Because we can worship success. And we can worship money. We can worship experiences or status. We can even worship people, which includes ourselves. But worshiping anything other than God is idolatry. It's a space where the other thing becomes an idol. And it's a huge problem in our relationship with God. It's a sin and sin separates us from God. God said, have no other gods before me. He asks and declares he is to be first. But it's really easy to shift our priorities. It's really easy to shift our focus or even to turn away. It's so tempting that Jesus even had to confront this reality when the devil brought temptation before him in the desert. But Jesus responded by quoting scripture. He said, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. God honoring biblical worship is valuing and prioritizing God above all things. It's a reflection of the heart expressed in life with extravagant love and extreme submission. But I wonder how we're doing in offering that. Offering that to him, both heart and life. See, it's, it's a both and dynamic. And that's one reason why Jesus ends up offering attention when he says something that's captured in Matthew chapter 15. Here's what he says. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. You catch the heart and life dynamic. There's an internal and an external that need to be aligned. And that happens when we turn both the internal and the external toward him and they match up. Look, I don't know if you've ever struggled to open a jar only to realize that you were turning it the tightening way and not the loosening way. I have. Maybe it's more likely because we end up with a muscle memory and opening things with our hands, but maybe it's been more likely for you in dealing with something like a bolt and a nut where you have to think about it for a moment of which way it is to loosen and tighten, especially if it's not a regular part of your, your daily routine. Or you're at a weird angle or you don't see it from a, a, a clear view. You have to figure out for a moment, which way do I turn to loosen? Which way do I tighten? It's righty-tighty, lefty-loosen. I love that. I've used that thousands of times. Righty-tighty, lefty-loosen. But if we don't understand which way to turn, we can end up struggling. Not only to start the nut on the bolt, but to actually move the bolt in the right direction. Even if it's not aligned properly. Yet this thing is engineered specifically for alignment and tightening and loosening. It's designed for that purpose. And in a very similar way, just like this nut and bolt are designed, we are made to connect with God, to, to enter into relationship and to tighten that relationship in a legitimate and genuine connection, to link our lives to him by turning toward him the right way, the righty, if you would. Yet ironically, we can struggle to fully understand and engage with the very thing we were made for, worship. Extravagant love and extreme submission. But where we turn does actually matter. And, and it matters with this, but it also matters and more importantly with our heart. In fact, where we turn reveals the object of our worship. Where we turn reveals the object of our worship, who or what we worship. Now, there was a man by the name of David whose who's, much of his story is captured in the Bible. And he did some epic stuff as a kid. 
far bigger and better stuff than having a pencil war in a church sanctuary. <laughs> he slayed a giant. He became king of Israel. And there is a lot of his story captured in scripture to explore. I encourage you to do it. First and second Samuel contains much of the narrative. The first and second Kings will give even greater context to the journey. I encourage you to explore the story of David. But the thing about David is that David knew which way to turn more often than not. David knew which way to turn more often than most. In fact, he was known as someone who had a heart for God, which makes tons of sense to me because worship is at its core an issue of the heart. And David would write a whole bunch of worship songs that we know as psalms. But on one occasion, he wrote one while he was in the desert fleeing from a king named Saul who was trying to kill him. And it was in this context that David turned to God in worship. Extreme submission and extravagant love. Heart and life. Even though his life really wasn't going so well at the time. He still turned to God in worship. So this is actually Psalm 63. If you have a Bible, you can turn about midway in the middle of the Bible, you'll find the book of Psalms. Or if you're on a device, just click and turn to Psalm 63. Because in this space is where we'll begin to see how where we turn actually reveals who or what we worship. So Psalm 63, we're going to start at the beginning where it says a Psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. So again, he's on the run. He's hiding from King Saul who's trying to kill him. But listen for heart and life in this dynamic. So here we go. Verse 1. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Now keep in mind, David's in a desert. So there's literal realities to this. But then there's also this figurative reality of a clear turning, and not just a clear turning, but an all-out pursuit of God, making God priority even in the midst of all the complexity he faced. Verse 2, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. There is heart and there is life. It is response. There's an internal and an external. It's us responding to him as he reveals himself to us. This is, this is good stuff. Let's continue verse four. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands, heart and life. I will be fully satisfied as with the riches of foods, total priority in God. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Now, David actually goes on for a few more verses, but I want to stop there for a moment because David models and describes a heart of worship, heart and life, with lips, with eyes, with hands, giving praise out of love, a heart satisfied with God. It's a beautiful imagery that even in good times or bad times, in joy or in sorrow, David consistently in his journey and repeatedly turned toward God by having a heart for God. See, he had a willingness to turn to God that was unlike any other king in the Old Testament. David pursued God with extravagant love and extreme submission. Not perfectly. He made mistakes, some pretty big mistakes with huge ripples. We all make mistakes. We all sin. And David's sin, and some of his sin had some pretty tragic implications along the way for him and for others. Yet, even then, he turned toward God. 
He sought forgiveness. He, he sought life and he sought healing and he sought hope from God by turning to him because we empower whatever we turn to. And David turned to God. But I wonder where you turn. I wonder who or what you currently empower in your life, in your heart. See, a heart of worship is really just a conversation about which way we turn in any and every season. And we can choose to worship in any season. But that's just an issue of setting priority. There is an invitation, but yet there's also a command to worship for those who follow God. But it's less about the task and more about the response, a space to respond, because it's an opportunity of responding as he chooses to lean into a place of revealing more about who he is so that we can bring all that we know of ourselves to all that we know of him. It's a beautiful space to hold a heart of worship. So I wonder and want to ask all of us, what or who are you responding to? What are you, or who are you responding to today? Is it culture and the things of culture? Is it an election? Or is it the God who made you, who knit you together in your mother's womb? It's, it's really tempting to want to respond to people, to want to respond in a post-election dynamic, to respond to our boss or to our coworker, even respond to our own pain and mistakes and beat ourselves up about it. But we worship a God of power and glory who, who made us to turn to him, to connect to him. When we don't know which way to turn, we don't know how to connect, we can struggle to know how to start, to know how to lean in and tighten the connection and relationship. But, but he loved us enough to make it very straightforward. He sent Jesus to live and die and rise again, to conquer sin and death so that he can offer us life. And whatever you face, you can experience the fullness of life and be an overcomer, if you would. Overcome the things that you face if you're willing to give him your heart in extravagant love and extreme submission. It's a space to make a choice. In fact, if you're willing to say, Jesus, I want you to take the junk of my life, the mistakes and the sin, and forgive me, wash me clean. And then I want to give you power to sit on the throne of my heart and be my Lord, my Savior and my Lord. Well, now you're positioned to experience life and life to the full and to live into who you were actually created to be from the very beginning. But you need to decide. And if you're ready to make that decision, if you want to take that step or even have made that decision I encourage you to text FAITH to the number on your screen. We want to give you some tools and steps and resources to move you along in a journey of bringing all that you know of yourself to all that you know of God in extravagant love and extreme submission. It's a space of worship that you can live into today. And true worship is a matter of the heart expressed in life. It's belief, internal, and it's action, external. It's a turning to, it's a turning for, it's a turning back, it's a turning toward. It's a space of turning because we empower whatever we turn to. We empower whoever we turn to. So being able to hold a heart of worship, being able to worship is really about which way we turn, about who or what we turn to. With that in mind, I want to create a space 
and even end this message time with an opportunity to launch deeper into a heart of worship by creating a space for reflection alongside a song that will really allow us to have a space to turn to Him. I know for some, connecting outside in creation or in other spaces is your preferred way to connect with God. But for the next few moments, I want to invite all of us to lean in, to listen, to lament, maybe celebrate, or, or just simply allow this to be a space to pursue Him. True worship is a response. I didn't completely understand what it meant as a kid. And as I said earlier, I'm still learning. But it is a space of responding as God leans in to revealing who he is. And for the next few moments, we each have an opportunity to do exactly that. That space of responding to his revealing should never end in our journey. And so I wanna invite you, as we lean into this song, to turn towards him with heart and mind and soul and strength. Maybe orient your eyes or your hands or your lips in a way of giving praise and worship. In fact, take whatever posture you feel most comfortable right in the space that you're in right now. But let this be a space to turn toward him. Maybe to sit in quiet, maybe to, to kneel, or to just listen for him to speak. Whatever posture you choose, be willing and ready to respond to what he says and how he leads you. And let the lyrics wash over you. Even offer them back in singing and song if you feel led to do so. But be willing to respond and look to him. Look to him as a beloved daughter, as a beloved son, who was created to worship in extravagant love and extreme submission. So let me pray and kind of tip us into this time, a time for you to reflect on your own to listen, to worship in his presence. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're a God who loves and a God who pursues. You reveal yourself to us and you allow us to respond to what you've revealed with love in return. May these next few moments be a space where we offer all that we are to you out of our understanding of who we are and our understanding of you. May you speak and lead as we turn towards you. In Jesus' name. Lord, you have my heart, and I will search for you. Jesus, take my life and lead me on. search for your let me be to you a sacrifice
Thanks for tuning in today. I want you to know I'm praying for you as you continue to pursue Jesus in moments of worship this week, especially as we all continue to navigate the realities of this season. See, I'm also praying for you in this post-election journey. As we all process the wins and the losses, what we understand and don't understand, what's resolved and unresolved. In all of that, let's be gracious. I invite us all to remember that it's right and good to engage our civic responsibility, but we always want to live in our kingdom identity. So whether you are encouraged or discouraged, relieved or worried, know that God still sits on his throne and continue to look to Jesus in all things for hope, for peace, even answers if you have questions. But having taken time to pray and to vote, let's get back to praying and let's be kind. Now is the time to be gracious to those who voted as we did and to those who did not. And let's live as people of peace because we're for people, we're not against them. I heard someone say recently, democracies don't work without empathy. And I believe they're right. Yet on top of that, as people who follow Jesus, we're clearly called to see the value in others and to honor that value with love and even greater empathy than any democracy requires. So be gracious, my friends, be kind. Let's take the lead in bringing peace and healing to our nation as we live as citizens of God's kingdom. We'll see you soon. Who the sun?